Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The readings for this weekend talk to us about the law. The law given to us by God, as well as the laws that were added later on by the Pharisees. And we see in the gospel how they come into conflict. But what we have to do is go to the first reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Here, God, through Moses, gives the Israelites the law. Now we have to understand the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the word itself, comes from two Greek words. Deuteros, which means second, and nomos, which means law. So Deuteronomy is the second law. God's first law was given to the Israelites in the book of Exodus, in the Ten Commandments. So we could say that Deuteronomy is an elaboration of the first law that God gave to the Israelites. Now turn to the first reading. Notice what Moses says to the people. Now, Israel, hear the statutes and the decrees which I am teaching you to observe, that you may live and may enter in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. In your observance of the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I enjoin you, you shall not add to what I command you, nor subtract from it. And that's the key. You shall not add or subtract from it. And this is precisely what God intended all along. And so it begs the question, why? Why does God give us these laws? Is it to control us? Is it to make our lives miserable? No, not at all. Instead, our God is not, not some distant monarch trying to impose order or reign over us. Not at all. Instead, God's law is an expression of his will. And so if we follow God's law, then we follow God's will. And then we will always be in a right relationship with God, which is all that he ever wants from us. A good analogy to help us understand this better is if you look in our country, you see our country is governed by civil laws. And when someone follows those civil laws, those laws tend to shape those who follow it. We have many different civil laws to govern our behavior for the better. We have laws on how to drive our cars on the roads. We have laws that help us to promote safety in our streets, in our homes. We have laws even how we should sell goods and services and pay taxes. And so if people tend to live by those civil laws, then they will live civil lives, civil and law-abiding lives. Now, apply that to God's laws. God's laws are given to us for the express purpose of shaping us according to God's will, such that if we live by God's law, we are living by God's will. Those laws shape us and form us to live by God's will. 
You could say God's laws protect the integrity of our own spiritual and moral life. Therefore, we should feel privileged and honored to have these laws because they help us to live in a right relationship with God. Moses continues. He says, For thus you will give evidence of your wisdom and intelligence to all the nations. Well, Israel is glorified to have received these laws, and they are the only nation to receive these laws. No other nation has received them, which makes Israel a holy nation and a holy people. So too with us as Catholics. We have received these laws, and it makes us holy. And so what do we do? We follow the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, the two greatest commandments. See, all these laws are given to us, and when we follow them, they help to shape and form us to do and live out God's will for each and every one of us. And this is why Jesus has such great respect for the laws. He always says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And in the gospel, we see Jesus interpreting the law for us. And he brings about a great problem that has existed from time on. The Pharisees have manufactured man-made laws, added to the laws of God. Remember, in the first reading, this was strictly forbidden in Deuteronomy, and yet the Pharisees did it. Now, these man-made laws were referred to as the oral tradition. They were not written down like the Ten Commandments. Instead, they were passed down by word of mouth from generation to generation. Now, these human laws were designed to supplement God's laws, to intensify it. Now, that's exactly where we open up in the gospel. This controversial hand-washing. The Pharisees are noticing Jesus' apostles are not washing their hands before they eat a meal. Now, the problem is not hygiene, but instead, the apostles are being criticized for their religious laxity, you could say. Now, Jesus responds vigorously and attacks these human laws. He says, Well did prophesize Isaiah about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but not their hearts. They're far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. You disregard God's commandments, but you cling to human tradition. Well, herein lies the great problem. These human laws are distracting the people away from God's laws and following them. And that is why Jesus is so furious about this. The other big problem about this is that the Pharisees, by creating these laws, have elevated themselves to the status of God's themselves. God was the sole arbiter to determine laws and give them to the Israelites. Well, now the Israelites feel that they are fit enough to give the Israelite people additional laws. So now they've elevated themselves to the level of God's themselves. Worse yet, these human laws, they're distracting the people away from God. The Israelites are now more concerned about following the human laws than following God's laws. That's why Jesus says, you disregard God's commandments and cling to human tradition. So what does Jesus do next? It says, he summoned the crowd and said to them, hear me all you and understand. Nothing that enters one from outside can defile the person, 
but the things that come from within are what defile. Real defilement, real corruption in the spiritual moral life, well, it's because of the internal strife within our heart, our mind, and our soul, rather than the external things like washing hands. Real defilement and corruption stems from that interior disposition. It, the source of it is in our heart, our mind, and our soul. And then it will reveal itself in our actions. And that's what Jesus is getting at at the very end of the gospel. He says, From within, from their hearts, comes evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, and blasphemy. Of these evils come from within, and they defile. And that is really at the heart of the teaching of Deuteronomy in the first reading, as well as in the gospel. From the heart comes all these things. Now, it's a basic biblical truth. In the ancient world, the heart was at the center of a person. The heart was the source of everything. From the heart came a person's decisions, came their thoughts and their feelings and their faith. And so, from the heart comes all these things. As Jesus is saying, from the heart comes either holiness and goodness or, at the same time, corruption and sin. And then they reveal themselves, eventually. Here, Jesus is emphasizing the interior disposition. And based upon our interior disposition, in our heart, mind, and our soul, we can either be holy or we can be corrupt and sinful. Based upon our interior disposition of our heart, our mind, and our soul, if we have purity of heart, then it will reveal itself in holy actions, in virtuous actions, in promoting charity, compassion, patience, prudence, and forgiveness. But at the same time, if our interior disposition, our heart, our mind, and our soul is filled with corruption and sinfulness, then it eventually will reveal itself in how we behave and how we act as Jesus says, by envy, greed, malice. All these things will manifest themselves, and that's the key. And that's the heart of what Jesus is trying to teach us this weekend. Based upon our interior disposition, we'll reveal exactly who we truly are. Now again, remember how the gospel opened up or began. The Pharisees criticizing the apostles by not washing their hands. And Jesus points out, it goes beyond such things as that. Instead, what's important is that interior disposition, what we truly have in our heart, our mind, and our soul. What is there will be revealed eventually and manifest itself in our actions, our behavior, and our way of life. So you say to yourself, well, what can I do? Well, what we have to do is work on purity of heart. The purity of heart that keeps our heart and our mind and our soul free from corruption and sin and instead always resides upon holiness because then we will always live the virtuous life. Then we will always abide by God's laws and, most importantly, live by God's will. Turn to the second reading from James. James says, Humbly welcome the word as it is planted in you and is able to save your souls. 
Well, God's law is written in our hearts. It's intrinsic to us. It's part of who we are. What do we have to do? Simply follow God's law, his commandments, his beatitudes, his teaching. I'll leave you with one thing to think about. Mother Teresa always told her nuns, holiness resides in the heart and reveals itself in virtuous actions. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.